On this episode of the podcast, I'm stepping away from the conventional format to bring to you my exclusive interviews with key members of the team behind Space Jam A New Legacy, currently in theaters and on HBO Max. This includes director Malcolm D. Lee, who shed some light on the filmmaking process to bring the tunes back to the big screen after 25 years, and Eric Bauza, who lends his voice to so many beloved characters, and we'll talk to him about bringing that iconography back to cinemas. But first, I wanted to give a shout out to Cakeworthy, who has a new line of Space Jam A New Legacy merchandise. Uh, This includes a really fun jersey with Bugs Bunny on it and a collage shirt uh, that they're known for doing with all of the tunes, and it's just delightful. There are so many brands out there that it's hard not to see the Looney Tunes these days, and I, for one, am very excited about that, and I try to stop and take it in whenever I can, and I hope you do as well. You can check out the YouTube channel This Means Podcast for the exclusive video to these interviews. This will obviously just be the audio, but I'd love to have you subscribe to that channel so you can be up to date with new content that we're constantly creating. Without further ado, here is Daffy Duck himself, Eric Bauza, giving us the lowdown on stepping behind the mic to bring these classic characters to life. Hi, I'm Jonathan Graves with, of course, you realize this means podcast. Hi, Eric. How are you? How's it going there, Jonathan? I know this isn't the lunch that we had planned in Burbank, but this will do just fine. This works. Um, (laughs) Congratulations on this film. Congratulations on voicing these iconic characters again in such a scope. And I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about these characters and uh, what makes them so iconic. Man, I, and there's no one else that I'd, I'd I'd end my day with press with than yourself. So thank you. Wonderful. Uh, so you voice uh, Porky Pig, Daffy Duck, Foghorn Leghorn, and Elmer Fudd in this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's it's just like, huh? <laughs> I get to do I get to do what now? Yeah, I'm like a kid in a candy store when it comes to. Uh, the characters that Warner Brothers Animation uh, and Warner's Animation Group entrust me with. You know, you, you know more than anyone, uh, like, how important these characters are uh, to fans and just to animation in general. So anytime uh, I say I get to take the Warner Brothers Cadillac out of the garage for a spin around the block, I always check if my insurance is updated and that there's no scratches on it when I take it back. <laughs> Very nice. Um, so with this film, what was it like working with Malcolm D. Lee and this whole creative team to bring these characters to the big screen again? Well, Malcolm is definitely a comedy guy, as you could see from his uh, track record uh, in the motion picture field. They couldn't have picked a better director to come in and uh, and kind of just, you know, bring this to life. I've, I've been in one uh, panel with him for the Academy, for the Oscar Academy. And the only Academy. Uh, and just to hear him talk about like the filmmaking process and and how different this was for him was amazing to hear because he's never worked with like special effects to this scale. He said every director should be able to direct a movie like this at least once in their career because he had mentioned, oh, like, being on other films saying, can we do this? And the net, you know, I was going to say the network, but in my experience in TV, the studio says no. But every time he asked, 
can I do this? The studio said, yeah. <laughs> like, how how insane is that? To have, like, a genie that grants not three wishes, but, like, a million wishes. That's incredible. And it shows on screen. There's so much visual, like, immaculate animation and a smorgasbord of ideas that are just insane to watch. And it, it filled me with joy watching this. You also voice Marvin the Martian, and he gets a small little scene with Bugs, which is phenomenal. Um, with this character of Daffy Duck, though, uh, he becomes a coach. Well, what was that like on the page and, and what did you like to bring to that? Uh, yeah, Marvin, I, I've been saying this, Marvin's scene, is, you know, for me as a Marvin fan, as you know, and I've been voicing Marvin for some time, uh, almost uh, the better part of a decade Earth creature, uh, seeing his scene as beautifully animated as it was on the big screen for the very first time, and I'm sure I'll, I will react the same way every time I see it was just so surreal and such a great moment uh, uh, for the character. And I think, uh, you know, the fans are going to be happy about like how they treated that scene because we, we see the other characters in their different uh, states. But Marvin's introduction was, I think, the most classic and truest to form of the Looney Tunes. Uh, Daffy Duck now. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, he wants, he always wants to be in the spotlight, but I love how he takes kind of a back seat here as the coach. But he gets to be that Daffy. Like, I've been playing Daffy on Looney Tunes cartoons, but he's the Daffy Daffy. Woohoo! But uh, never have I ever been able to play him in that kind of Chuck Jones kind of uh, greedy kind of like, right. you know, uh, the later Daffy as we know him. So to be able to play him in that regard, in that nature, was uh, was a lot of fun. I can imagine. You also get to play Daffy looking for the spotlight in the DC world, where he's super Daffy. Of uh, course. What this, was that like? This was like another uh, callback to, uh, you know, I know in, in some forms, like on the Looney Tunes show, we've seen him as Bat Duck. Uh, uh, but... I think I think we we first saw him as Super Duck, right? Or uh, Super Duck, Super yes. Duck, yes. Super Duck. How can I forget? Uh, it has been a long time, of course. Uh, but yeah, getting to see uh, him back in that suit is uh, is awesome, and uh, I can't wait to find the action figure for that. I'm I'm already waiting in line. Like as soon as they drop that, I'm gonna go buy it. What was a major difference between working from home than working in a studio? And obviously you were working off a script and not seeing the visuals as they were, uh, you know, in the movie. So what was that like? Uh, well, uh, you know, my part in the film started out as scratch dialogue uh, performer. So I was always told when I stepped into the booth, this is only temporary dialogue. And they had kept that all the way until I got the phone call that I would be playing these characters. So I never really auditioned for any specific character in this movie, I was always reading for every character, whether it was Bugs or Granny. <laughs> so like, <laughs> can you imagine being LeBron James, like in the booth reading next to this kid who sounds like Granny? <laughs> so I was always told this is just temporary dialogue. And I'm like, no problem. Just tell me where to show up and I'll say whatever you want. And of course you're swinging for the fences. You want to be able to give a performance that LeBron can benefit from. You know, he's the star. 
uh i'm just the assist you know i'm the guy that passes the ball and he's the guy that dunks it sure. uh and you know again um working in uh even before the pandemic we were working individually anyway so i never really got to work with the other uh voiceover artists also providing uh scratch dialogue um and uh during the pandemic i mean i was recording everything in my walk-in closet so I keep telling people if they hear lawnmowers, dogs, or airplanes, my apologies. <laughs> well, it sounded immaculate in the movie. I don't think I heard any of those things. Um, congratulations on getting the call up. I know that you and Jeff Bergman both got title credits in the movie, which is phenomenal for voice actors to see, did, to get that recognition. Did that happen? I only saw the movie once and I blinked and I missed it, but... Uh, oh no, it is, happened. Is that something that happened? Because, you know... Similar to the original, the movie will start with a career highlight of, like, LeBron James. He's, you know, arguably the greatest of all time, the greatest of our time right now. And uh, the credits were so crazy and, like, really MTV fast cuts. So if I did get a credit, uh, thank you uh, to the title uh, titleist and uh, the editor that kept me in there. Uh I, I didn't think uh, I would ever see that. Uh, and now I'm going to print that on a t-shirt. Absolutely. Um, speaking of t-shirts, you have your own company called Retro Kid, which you're sporting right now. And <laughs> the designs are phenomenal. That launched today. And like, what is it about Daffy Duck and putting them on a t-shirt that just brings a smile to your face? I don't know, but you're smiling. So I know it's definitely <laughs> the same thing that I, you know, there, there's something about, these characters that look so good on, on on clothes and again it comes down to the iconic design the the fundamentals of a good character design like daffy or bugs tweety or porky that have stood the test of time and we have people like bob clampett and chuck jones to thank for that tex avery all the original uh, directors who who made these characters uh, everlasting and as a a fan of Looney Tunes that has collected every Looney Tunes shirt from 1992 all the way up until yesterday uh, when I got this in the mail uh, from my own company. Uh, <laughs> you know, I couldn't be more honored to celebrate the characters this way, aside from embodying them, but now designing my own shirts with the characters. Thank you, Warner Brothers uh, Intellectual Property, for giving Retro Kid the blessing uh to, to to celebrate these characters that's amazing uh real quick i want to talk about the rapping uh so you get to play porky pig and daffy duck in this rap battle that is fairly one-sided but it's incredibly loony and amazing uh can you talk about your skills as a rapper and uh, well, um, uh, if you search the internet uh, warner brothers water tower music has put out multiple tracks of the extended version of that scene including daffy duck and Don Cheadle, who I, like, first of all, I haven't said this all day, Don Cheadle steals the show. He is he is my favorite new Looney Tunes character, let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, he transforms in this movie the same way the Looney Tunes do. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the uh, we, uh, Wu-Tang Clan, yeah, be, be, uh, Beastie Boys, and uh, P P uh, Puff Daddy uh, helped me prepare for this rap. And, of course, Murs, uh, the... Uh, the artist uh, behind the ghostwriting for this, he's the guy that laid down the original rap that I then 
uh, tried to copy as best as I could. Sorry, Mers. <laughs> I think you both did a phenomenal job. It's so fun to watch. It's so funny. And it works in this movie like no other. It's, you know, if, if there's ever a, a pop culture injection into Looney Tunes, rapping, you know, would be a, a far off cry from what I thought would work. And it works so well because of your vocal talent and because of this writing by Mers. Well, well, thank you for saying that. But I think what originally teed it up were those 90s uh, Bugs and Taz hip hop shirts that yeah. really got us like, oh, this was a seed that was planted many years ago. So uh, thanks for saying that, Jonathan. <laughs> welcome, Eric. And um, I, I guess I, I want to also talk about Elmer Fudd because you're voicing him in this. And he has a really great cameo as Mini-Me in the Austin Powers world. What was it like sharing the screen with fellow Canadian Mike Myers? Oh my gosh. Something that I never thought I would ever <laughs> see in a million years. For me, that like it's still kind of like, I, you know, I can't believe that happened. And I thank God that it did. Mike Myers <laughs> is, uh, for, is from where I'm from, Scarborough, Ontario, uh, Canada, and has definitely, uh, you know, he is, he is the pop culture king. He makes catchphrases like what's up doc or schwing for that matter <laughs> and to know uh, that i am on the screen as elmer fudd uh, you know in an austin powers uh picture uh is something that i will uh never forget for the rest of my life <laughs> i bet it, it's it's really fun and uh, oh yeah very shagadelic baby <laughs> <laughs> And uh, lastly, one of the other characters you do is Foghorn Leghorn. What was it like, like searching deep within you to bring out that gravitas for that rooster? I say, I say, listen here now, Jonathan. I love you, but you know it was like a dirt road uh, between two cornfields. Nothing between the ears. Just kidding, John. That's a joke, son. You're supposed to laugh. Uh, yeah, there's something so big and boisterous around him. And again, it's like what Elmer, Foghorn, and Porky. Three roles that I've never played that have been played by the greats, like uh, Bergen, Bergman, and, uh, boy, it sounds like a law firm, uh, <laughs> Bergen, <laughs> Bergen, Bergman, and Bennett. You know, Jeff Bennett, who, who has played Foghorn Leghorn so well. Uh, him and both Jeff Bergman uh, have played those characters, and Bob Bergen. Uh, you know, I, I'm just honored to to even have a chance uh to play them and then now on on such a grand scale um uh, but yeah uh i am ever so grateful it's it's a true honor to uh have you a part of this film and it's really fun to watch you inherit these roles and make them your own i think that is the joy of looney tunes cartoons on hbo max as well which season two just dropped today and I guess the differences between working with Malcolm D. Lee and working with Pete Browngard um, are probably visual and, and audio, audio, you know, audible <laughs> to, to fans. Uh, but what is it about like this collaboration that um, that you loved working with Malcolm D. Lee? Well, the thing in common between Malcolm and Pete is that they both love the characters, uh, all of them, and uh, and that they they give me so much trust uh they trust me with these characters and, and again it's like uh, you have these experts of storytelling and you rely on them 
to get out of you what they need for their story. Uh, but working with Malcolm again with his comedy background uh, w was amazing. He let me ad lib so much stuff in this film. I really hope that there's like hidden tracks somewhere on the on the 4K Blu-ray when it comes out. Uh, like, he, you know, as long as I was making him laugh. This is a guy that has worked with Tiffany Haddish and Kevin Hart, two right. of the, the funniest uh, comedians and comedians uh, to ever uh, grace the screen. And to know that I was making Malcolm laugh, uh, and especially with Daffy, you know, we were coming up with some funny stuff with Daffy. Uh, and, uh, up. So thank you for your time, Eric. And uh, it's really been an honor to talk to you and congrats on the film. Yeah, the, 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 uh, that's all, Jonathan. And as always, I wish I had more time with Eric, but I know he'll be back on the show. Next, we have Gabriel Fluffy Iglesias, who provides his voice for the fastest mouse in all of Mexico, Speedy Gonzalez. Enjoy. Gabriel Iglesias, how are you today? I'm doing good, man. Very nice meeting you. Thank you for giving me uh, some time today to talk to you about Speedy Gonzalez, fastest mouse in all of Mexico. What was it like bringing this character to the big screen? Uh, well, you know what? I mean, I, I've done uh, films before, voiceover work, and uh, but this one's very different because uh, it's the first time I really mimic a character versus using a just making up a, a voice you know and so uh when the time came to do the voice i was actually given the option of giving it a different voice versus the original they said gabriel we want to make sure that you feel comfortable with the character um do you think that the voice the original voice might be considered a little too stereotypical and i said you know you have not met my family trust me you're, you're good and uh, I don't right. want people to think of me when they see Speedy Gonzalez. I want them to think of Speedy Gonzalez, the character we've always known. Uh, I don't want to change it. I think that the fact that Warner Brothers uh, got a Mexican to actually play a Mexican mouse. Yes. Is, I'm the first one. I'm the first Mexican, uh, which is cool. <laughs> it's very cool. I'm the first, amigo, the first. You know, the original voice was done by Mel Blanc many, many years ago, and he was awesome. He did all the voices for the uh, Looney Tunes characters. So uh, given this opportunity, I, I I jumped right in, both feet, and the uh, director goes, well, do you think you could do the voice? And I'm like, yeah. And then once I did it, you know, on, you know, arriba, espandale. They, they were freaking out. They're like, that is really good. I said, I know that was really good. I've been Mexican a long time. Um, <laughs> and, and I told them, I says, hey, look, don't think that just because I'm Mexican, I can only do the Mexican character. I says, I, I do voices for a living. I says, I can do the whole movie by myself. I says, you want uh, a Marvin the Martian? You know, oh my, oh my modulator. You want Yosemite Sam? Oh, hi there, rabbit. You want Bugs Bunny? What's up, Doc? You want Porky Pig? So I says, you could fire all the actors right now. I'll do the whole movie for half. Okay, let's save some <laughs> money, people. Just validate my parking and hook up craft services. There you go. That is amazing. You are very talented. <laughs> Thank you. Um, your Speedy Gonzalez obviously was a perfect imitation of what came before and you're right like there there's no other way to bring speedy to the masses than that that iconic and recognizable voice that uh, high-pitched but very fast uh spanish voice and i love that you call granny abuela like that is so funny and so <laughs> perfect um what is it about this character that has lasted for so long and has so so much reverence behind it 
I think it's uh, it's all of the Looney Tunes care. I mean, the majority of the Looney Tunes characters, they were done so well, you know, and that's the thing when you when you do something and you take the time to just make it a really, really good um, product. It's going to stand up if you're just in it to quick knock it out. Then, of course, you know, eh, here's the next next new thing. But Warner Brothers characters, the, the Looney Tunes have been around forever and they still connect. They still resonate. And, uh, you know, he, Speedy Gonzalez is iconic. Uh, yeah. Growing up, he was the only hero we had. There was no Mexican superheroes. We just had Speedy Gonzalez. And so, of course, when cancel culture tried to take him out, I was like, no, 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 no. I don't think so. I jumped in front of that bullet for, for Speedy. You know, I'm like, I don't think so. And uh, yeah, I said, what's his crime? What's his, why are you trying to cancel him? He's Mexican and he's fast. I said, that is not a crime. That is job security. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and Warner Brothers was very receptive to that. They said, thank you for standing up for the character. Thank you for uh, for for the tweet. Because they got a lot of traction. Every news outlet picked up the tweet, which is scary to think that really of all the tweets I sent, that's the one that got news coverage. And uh, yeah, it was everywhere. Even my bus driver, Dave, uh, he saw me on Fox News. It made it all the way to Fox News. And that for him was was the greatest thing ever because he's very he's very Fox News-ish. So, uh... <laughs> well, not only did you jump in front of that bullet, but like you uplifted this hero character that needs more time with audiences to really like reflect and really get into people's psyche. I think that's that's what was missing from that conversation is that we didn't have enough speedy in pop culture. And this movie adds to that lexicon. This movie adds to his legacy. It's not only a new legacy for, you know, the athlete LeBron taking over for Michael Jordan. It's also a new legacy of voice actors and voice talent coming in and bringing these characters to new generations of kids, which is phenomenal. And you are hilarious in this and you do such a really good job of bringing that persona to life. So thank you for that. And uh, did you want to talk about a little bit uh, to, to working with Malcolm and bringing this character to this new generation that maybe isn't familiar with Speedy? Uh, well, you know, uh, Given the the opportunity to insert, like when you said abuela, that's that's something that I was able to uh, to add to the character that you know inserting real Spanish words and and giving that feel of like oh wow this is okay he's not just it's not just gibberish anymore because that's that's what it was before you know arriba arriba eh, pandale you know it's just it's just it's words getting thrown out there kind of old school like uh, I love Lucy whenever Ricky Ricardo would get pissed off and and start going off and he's like Lucy no puedo creer que la cosa que you know and everybody's just like laughing because he's going crazy but that was pretty much what was going on with the with Speedy but now there's actual placement of, uh, of of Spanish and and just you know that that feeling and that vibe yes. uh, also the fact that you know I think that I'm, I'm able to bring a little bit more attention to the character because, you know, because of what I do and uh, how long I've been in show business. And, and so I feel like there might be something more we can do with this character. Uh, I just know that, you know, I, I recorded the whole thing in a living room during the pandemic. So it wasn't like we were seeing each other face to face in a studio and trying to really, you know, collab. It was just it was me in my underwear and one sock uh, in a living room. <laughs> You know, on a Zoom Especially call, going that. back and forth. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I love the way it turned out. And uh, I'm hoping that fans are going to enjoy it. And hopefully we see more. I think they will. And I hope we see more, too. I love that Speedy is on the court playing basketball with these other iconic characters. And it's just such a really great visual. The animation is mind-blowingly good. And I, I think that um, 
you know, with the progression of technology and seeing Speedy in 3D, the, the CG, you know, version makeover, if you will, of the character is so dynamic. I think that there is a future with more Speedy in, in it. And, uh, and I hope that you continue, would you continue voicing the character if they did more? Oh, in a heartbeat. I, I would love to. That's, uh, you know, that's what I'm letting Warner Brothers know now. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Just, just, just call me, put the bat signal up, whatever you need. <laughs> that's great. I had a really fun question. Better, better get me now before Disney plus calls. Just, just saying. <laughs> Time's ticking on that. Um, who do you think is faster, Speedy Gonzalez or Roadrunner? That has been a question that I've, I mean, uh, you know, this is not the first time I've been asked this and I've actually asked the question myself. Um, honestly, I think it would be a tie. I, okay. I really think it would be a tie. They're both freaking rockets, uh, you know, and, and every scene, whether it's with Wiley Coyote or, or, or you know, uh, I'm trying to think of oh, Sylvester. It's always that same level of speed that's happening. And I've never felt like one was quicker than the other. I, I just feel like they're the, the, the same as far as uh, speed is concerned. That's that's a good answer. <laughs> now, if they were going to play one-on-one -on -one basketball, I think Speedy has the upper hand because he has hands and he could hold the ball. That's true. That's the only difference. He could do he could dunk it just like Tweety does. They're both tiny, but they both have power and <laughs> and determination when it comes to basketball. Um what is it about the heritage, uh the, the Mexican heritage that that you wanted to bring to this character. Obviously, you mentioned that you did some ad libs where you actually got to bring in the the Spanish words into his dialect. But was there anything that you wanted to show um, culturally about the character, or maybe in a future project you would want to bring that in? I think the fact that they, you know, that Warner Brothers has a, a Mexican actor voicing a Mexican character is is huge in itself. And uh, you know, the you know, the, again, they they said, hey. What would you like to bring to the table? I says, let's let's put a little bit of Spanish in there. Let's have a little more fun. There was some uh, verbiage in there that I did change a little bit just because I felt like it was outdated. And so trying to bring some of the uh, more modern little terms or phrases uh, to insert in there and them saying, OK, they, there was a lot of trust because uh, I don't know how many people could uh, could could hear those words and go, OK, that yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah. You know, as far as who's going to do the final the final uh, what is it called? Standards and practices and making sure that certain things are OK. So there was a lot of trust on their part. And uh, I, I thought, again, that spoke volumes. Absolutely. And it, it bled through in the film. And obviously there's a lot of family uh you know tradition in, in this movie and and the father and son storyline uh with lebron and his son was heart, so heart heartwarming and and uh it really pulled on the heartstrings would you like to see speedy's family uh involved uh obviously there's um there's other characters around him that uh that we didn't get to see here but obviously um a family is family is a big part of of that character uh would you like to see that in the in a future project Absolutely. Uh, I think there's a whole story to be told about Speedy that's never been told. Uh, I think that, you know, he's always it's always been shorts. It's always been these quick little shorts. And with cartoons, you never really have to have a, a beginning story. It's always just it's this is where it's at. And it starts from there. And then, you know, five minutes later, it's over. Uh, but I definitely think that there could be so much more that that can be done with the uh, with Speedy Gonzalez's uh, character. Uh, definitely. There's other characters that could be, you know, introduced 
around him, not just as a Slowpoke Rodriguez, uh, you know, cousin. <laughs> hey, Slowpoke Rodriguez. Which, by the way, uh, that's a superpower in itself. Uh, yeah, it shows that you know, when, you, <laughs> when you're drunk, you're kind of indestructible, which is kind of scary and a little stereotypical. But, you know, uh, I, I got uncles, so I digress. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, one last question for you. Um, what was it like whenever you saw the script and you saw that Speedy was going to be in the Matrix? How excited were you to do bullet time and all that stuff? Like to have that character be in that world. That that must have been mind blowing. That particular scene, uh, man, we I want to say we did it three times. Like there was three separate sessions for just that one scene alone uh, because they were trying to get the timing right with the motion of the, the bullets. And then they, you know, they had to slow down my audio in order to make that fit. It wasn't me slowing myself down, you know, because there's the part where I, where I go, you know, arriba, arriba, and I'm jumping on a bullet bullets back and forth. And then, of course, you know, stuff is flying past me, Matrix style. Uh, yeah. Getting the timing right on that was 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 challenging because uh, the animation at one point, I think, got ahead of my voice. And so I had to go in and match it. So, yeah, that was it was a process. It was a process. But there was. um when, when it comes to voiceover work, I never really look at, at the whole script just because I know that things can always change. And it's, you know, you're reading it versus having to memorize it. So I always want to just be fresh and have fun with it. And if I give it too much thought, then I sometimes uh, spoil it. Uh, when, <laughs> definitely when I'm on TV or film and they see me, then, of course, I, I got to go in and, and research and look what, what I'm talking about and memorize it. But, yeah, with voiceover, it was pretty much day of. And then, you know, to get that phone call and say, well, you're going to do it again. I was like, well, what was wrong with it? And then, of course, you know, you're going to do it again. That bullet scene did come out awesome. And that must be the only time that character has ever been slowed down. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> to, to watch him jump on bullets, that's pretty fast. It's very cool. It's very cool. Uh, well, thank you, Gabriel. Thank you for your time today. Uh, congratulations on the movie. And I can't wait for more people to see it and to, to watch it with an audience. I think it's going to be really fun. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I really do love the way that Fluffy brought Speedy to life in this movie. I feel like he captured the essence that Mel was going for back in the day, but making it more authentic. And I hope he continues voicing him. And last but certainly not least, Malcolm D. Lee, director of Space Jam A New Legacy. He is a world-class comedic director that I can't wait to see more from. And also, I hope that he stays with this franchise. I think that there's a want for him to come back, and I hope he does. I also would love to see some of these ideas presented in a longer cut, if possible, but you can hear what he has to say about that in this interview. Hi, Malcolm D. Lee. How are you? Good, sir. How are you? I'm good. Uh, congratulations on the film. It is really hilarious, and I believe you do the characters justice, so congratulations on that. Much appreciated. Thank you. Of course. Uh, what was it like directing this movie that is so much animated and so much live action combined? And that must have been a really interesting process for you, especially during a pandemic. It was an interesting process. It was um, a real learning curve uh, for me, you know, because this is my first foray into this you know, type of filmmaking. But uh, once I got over the, the kind of intimidation of what it would take to embrace, you know, visual effects on this level and animation, I said, oh, okay, these are, these are just, you know, storytelling tools. Um, and, you know, I like telling stories. Um, 
And fortunately, the, the, the 10 years you know, prior and the 20 years of, 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 of making movies prepared me for this moment to, you know, to do it. So it was, it, was, it was difficult and it was a long process, but very rewarding one. I mean, you know, we shot the bulk of the, of the live action in the summer of 2019 mm. before the pandemic. So, you know, naturally, you know, when you're doing a hybrid movie like this, you know, where if you're, you're going into the animation and the effects, it naturally fit in, the, in, the, in that window of, of the pandemic. Now we'd love to have been in person with one another because that's where the best work happens. But, you know, the technology was there, you know, in front of and behind the camera where we had to get on Zoom calls just like this. Wow. It, well, it turned out amazing. Um, you had a collaborative effort with LeBron in this and his acting is so good. What was it like directing him and working with him? LeBron's great. You know, he really wanted the movie to be great. He wanted to be great in it. And, you know, I don't think he understood, you know, what it was going to take to to be the lead of the movie. And he even admit, admitted that. Um, but, you know, he never complained. Um, he was always on time, you know, and, and took his day, day job very seriously, too. I mean, he'd be up at 2 o'clock in the morning to get his, his basketball workout on before he reported to set. Oh, wow. Very determined to get back to championship form and, you know, do a great job on this movie. And, you know, he's very open to direction. He loves to be funny, uh, loves to have a good time. So, and he, and, and he always stuck around on set. That's, that's amazing. He was wonderful in Trainwreck. And whenever I saw him in that film, I was like, oh yeah, he can definitely carry a Space Jam movie. So and that's- a Superhero, this guy is by his built like a, <laughs> you know, like, like, I don't know what, but just like you put a, you could put, you could put him in Hancock, you know, too. <laughs> I, I would watch that. I would watch that movie. You, you also you also got a really great and cartoony performance out of Don Cheadle in the best way. Fantastic. I mean, you know, what what a, what a great opportunity to work with one of the best character actors ever. Um, I've been wanting to work with Don since I was, you know, came on the scene myself. After seeing him in Devil in a Blue Dress, I was like, this guy's, you know, stole the show. Um, so, you know, Don, you know, is a great collaborator, a you know, great actor, can do comedy. I even wanted him for Undercover Brother back in the day. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, so he's can do comedy, he can do, you know, emotion, he can do drama, um, and was able to bring that all to this character that wasn't always clear on the page, you know. Algie Rhythm is kind of a, you know, nebulous character. He's like, you know, how, how do you define where he lives, who he is, what he does, um, what he's feeling, how do you humanize him? And, you know, thank God we had Don Cheadle to be there to give this guy some grounding, but also do the manic stuff. Yeah, you know? uh, and, so manic. And he's so great at, at doing it, you know, just being, being a, a wonderful, uh, you know, not only actor, but director, writer, producer himself, a wonderful, you know, uh, collaborator to be with on set. I bet. Uh, you mentioned Undercover Brother. That's a film that I love. And that film is a, a really good comedy as well. And it has a lot of cartoonish elements to it, um, which is why whenever you were picked to do this, I felt that you had it in you to bring out the best out of the Looney Tunes. What is your history with Looney Tunes? And what was it about that franchise that you really wanted to inject in this movie? Yeah, you know, thank you for saying that. I mean, you would have been another person that would have been an advocate for me to do this movie because I was like, I, should I do this? I don't know if I should do this. But, um, you know, thank you for saying that. 
I have a, a, a great history with the Looney Tunes. I mean, they were part of my childhood. You know, I'd be up on up, up Saturday morning with a bowl of cereal, watching, you know, them in, in my living room, um, you know, and until all hours, you know. And so I love the Looney Tunes. Um, you know, they, they brought me a lot of joy as, as, as a kid. Um, so I wanted to, to, to capture that, you know, aspect, make sure that I was true to those characters that gave, brought me such joy in my childhood and try to recapture them. And a lot of people try to say, well, hey, you know, the Looney Tunes aren't like, you know, people don't really know them these days. But like, well, I didn't know them when I was a kid either until I did get to know them. And their comedy and their style of comedy, their different things are, are, are classic. And they're being used, you know, by, by other, you know, forms of comedians at this point. So, you know, once you reintroduce them, I think that people will, will still embrace and, and love the Looney Tunes, as I, I did. Think, I think so, too. And I think they're everlasting in a way that you tap into with the way that you talk about family and how Bugs wants to bring all of them back for the, you know, the, the camaraderie, the, like the history of the Looney Tunes being together. And I think that's so endearing and it, it paralleled the relationship that Dom had with his father and, and LeBron. And I thought that that was masterfully done. Uh, what was it about that story that you wanted to tell and, and bring to cinemas? Well, certainly, you know, that was the backbone of the story for me. And what drew me to it the most was the relationship between you know, LeBron and Dom, being the father-son story it was a disconnect between father and son. You know, the, the, the teenager is, is starting to, to, to figure out who he is and what he likes and what his desires are. And it's different from what his father wants from him. And I think that's completely relatable. Um, I certainly can relate to it. My kids, you know, I'm, I'm raising three boys of my own. And, you know, they don't always do what I say. <laughs> but, you know, that, that, that's, that, that's going to be the, the, the journey that they're going to have to go on themselves. You, you can't be hovering over them. So, like, that was incredibly resonant, resonant for me. And, you know, we wanted, you know, once, once, once uh, Dom got kidnapped to have the tunes, particularly Bugs Bunny, be a proxy for, for Dom and teach LeBron some lessons about, okay, like, you know, I'm going to be Looney always. And, you know, I, you can try to, to make me do something different, but, you know, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And you should let me be who I'm going to be because that's the, and, and at the end of the day, that's what wins them the game. Yes. So we wanted all that to resonate. I think it does. I think it does really well. You had a phenomenal cast of voice actors at your disposal, and I feel like you captured the the vocal talent well. What was it like directing during a pandemic to get these performances out of Candy Milo as Granny, Eric Bauza as almost everybody, and Jeff Bergman as Bugs Bunny <laughs> and Sylvester? I tell you what, man, like what a joy to work with these voice actors. You know, um, you know, you, you, you listen to their their, 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 their their tapes, their auditions, and like, you're like, wow, how does one person, you know, capture these voices you know, like that? And in working with them, they always made me laugh, you know, during those, I would be on, and sessions just like this, they'd be in their, you know, in their homes, in their, their booths, and, their, and then they, and, and Candy in particular was just like, you know, she, as Granny, was just so hysterical. She come up with all kinds of things. Same thing with Eric Bowser, Jeff. Also, like all, they always made me laugh, and you know they would always be ready to do more. And so it was fantastic to work with them. I mean, you know what what a treat for me. Uh, I wish I could have done it in person. You know, obviously, but you yeah. know, 
the, the great thing was it all translates. And one final question. Um, I, I had so much fun revisiting the Looney Tunes on the big screen. I, I was wondering if there were any deleted scenes or scenes that you wish that were still in the movie. And with HBO Max and the, the precedent that they've already established with Justice League and doing an extended cut, do you think we'll ever see an extended cut of Space Jam uh, on the streaming service? I don't know. Um, I guess if, 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 the, if the fans demand it, maybe. Um, there is one scene that, I, that, that um, you know, at the end of the, the first half, the two is getting into a fight with each other. And it was one of my favorite, you know, parts of the movie. It's so funny, um, you know, you, that 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 what 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 LeBron came up with, and what you know, the, the animators came up with. It was just so hysterical. But you know, we couldn't. The movie couldn't afford it, and you know, it, we couldn't sustain it. So, hopefully, somebody will see that at some point. Maybe there'll be a director's cut. Perhaps we'll see. Fingers crossed. And I also love that you incorporated the the Bruce Tim style of the animated series in the DC world. Was that a creative choice from the beginning, or did that come on later? No, we we, we went back and forth. Not back and forth, but we you know we, we knew we were going to be bookending our and our um, two gallery montage with DC, and we we toyed with you know some live action um, uh, part of it, but you know it was it was going to be you know, very very costly, and you know. Be a little bit of a nightmare um so we decided okay let's let's do the bruce tims one and then let's let's do the comic book version um oh. that, you know we said those would be two great you know uh, bookends for this for this uh, movie love dc you know yeah for sure me too and uh, one last question for you um when this is a fun one uh when the characters turned cgi was there ever any talks of making the human Looney Tunes into humans. So Granny and Elmer Fudd, <laughs> Yosemite Sam. <laughs> we had this one joke that we, you know, that was a, a part of our, of our, you know, one, one, one of the iterations of, of, of Al G's first interaction with the tune, which was, you know, predated, you know, some of the other things. But we actually had, uh, you know, Al G could, could, could turn them into, you know, photorealistic characters like you know immediately and he actually you know he, he, he made you know uh uh he made yosemite sam like you know uh, like a mustache trim he had you know roadrunner actually turned to a real roadrunner and we had granny turn into into helen mirren oh wow <laughs> i mean you know that, that that would have been fun to have yes that would have been fun oh uh, well, thank you so much for your time today, uh, Mr. Dealey. And um, I, I look forward to your future work and I'll be, I'll be rooting for this movie. So, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Wouldn't that have been great to see not only the Looney Tunes fighting each other, but also Helen Mirren as Granny. I think that would have been hilarious and such a surprise. Um, I think it would have been really fun to see a live actor bring a Looney Tune to life. But I do love what we have with the film and the granny scenes that Candy Milo voiced are so funny. So I think it all worked out in the end, but if they ever want to revisit this, these ideas, I would not be opposed. Thank you to Warner Brothers for inviting me out to see the film and to chat with not only Bugs Bunny and Granny, but Eric Bauza, Gabriel Fluffy Iglesias, and of course, director Malcolm D. Lee these incredibly talented men and women who brought this film to life 
are so indelible to the franchise and I I'm so thankful for the 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 riches that we currently have as Looney Tunes fans and I know I'm I'm not speaking for just myself but there are many of us out there that really love this movie and we want to see more of Looney Tunes on the big screen and I hope that with Warner Brothers in production of Wiley Coyote versus Acme that there is a thirst and a want for more of this content and if Warner Brothers wants to have me back out I would gladly accommodate so uh, thank you again for listening uh, please like subscribe and follow the podcast on iTunes and Spotify anywhere that you download podcasts follow the Instagram at this means pod and Twitter as well this means pod and Facebook this means podcast I am also working on starting a group on there, and so everybody that is listening can join in the conversation. And also, there is a Discord that is being worked on, so hopefully there are more channels to chat about Looney Tunes for everyone who is a fan. And as always, that's not all, folks. Be sure to look out for my spoiler review of Space Jam A New Legacy coming soon.